hey, it is good to be back inside, even though it's different. I'm, I'm actually really, really happy that we are back, back indoors. And, and uh, uh, you know, uh, we, we've, now that we, we've had a few folk that contacted me and they're not quite ready to uh, come back inside and within closed proximity, and that's okay. Uh, there's no judgment there. And uh, had a few folk that you know, aren't real thrilled about having to wear the mask inside, and they'd prefer not to, so they're going to kind of stay home, watch the stream. Hey, it's no judgment there, I understand. Hey, look, uh, I don't think there's a one of us in the room that say, woohoo, I love this mask, you know? <laughs> you know, it's, it's just not, but it's, it's where we're at right now. And if we'll hang in there, it, it, we're, we're going to get past it. The Lord's going to help us work through it. And uh, so thank you all for, again, I know Kate mentioned this earlier, but thank you, uh, you know, between Tarrant County and Johnson Development and <laughs> everyone else who would uh, impact this building, uh, who permit us to come in here and lease the building. Uh, we do want to honor, you know, the laws of the land and render under Caesar what's Caesar, and that's all right, because God's, God's going to give us what's, what's ours as well. And uh, so, so thank y'all. Let's just, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to work through it and hang in there, and, and uh, pretty soon we'll all get to see each other's face. And, and uh, trust me, some of y'all may be asking for people to put the mask back on before it's over with, you know? It's dependent on how they survived everything. So uh, it is good to see everyone. Thank you so much uh, for joining us back indoors. I've, I've missed seeing your faces, man. For six months, I've gotten up and looked into a sun. <laughs> so I saw silhouettes. And, uh, and then some of y'all were like 100 yards away, you know. Uh, I, I'm very grateful for the, the yard that we got to meet in and the park that we got to meet in. But, man, I've, I've missed just kind of being, being up close with you guys and, uh, you know, almost like hanging out in the, the living room. That's what was fun about preaching in the Dave Cave those weeks. Uh, the praise band would be sitting on the remnants of my couch, like right in front of me. So I, I got to, like, look them right in the face and preach. So, uh, Well, today, today we're going to start a series we came inside just in time for me to talk about money. <laughs> Woohoo! Man, ain't nothing, doesn't nothing pull the, the group pucker string of a congregation than a preacher getting up talking about money. Everybody just, everybody clinches. So, uh, but I promise you, I promise you, uh, the, way that, the way that we're going to be doing it, uh, is really I'm, what I want to teach you is really a blessing. Uh, it's I, I'm not in no way do I want to coerce you. In no way do I want to manipulate you. Um, here at Gathering Church, we really don't talk about money a lot. You know, Kate may mention, you know, hey, you can go to the website and, and donate or pay tithes, or if you want to drop in the offering. You know, we got hey, we got the offering box back. You know, when we were in the park, we had a lot of folks stop by and go, where where, where do we give? How do we give? Uh, well, that's that's a uh, a neat way, you know, a nice, convenient, traditional way of doing it. Um, but with that, I, I do want to say we, I, I am going to teach you the blessing of tithing. And we're going to call it the tither's bill of rights. And not just tithing, but giving. And there's lots of ways to give to the kingdom, not just financially. You can give of your time. You can give of your, your uh, talents uh, and your efforts. Uh, but there is, and, and with all of it, it's a blessing that comes with giving. Uh, but there is, there is an incredible blessing that comes when you give financially to the kingdom? Uh, is it because God needs your money? No, God doesn't need your money. He has everything. Uh, what he wants is your heart. If he can get your heart, you'll give him anything you got because you understand that everything you have belongs to him anyway, so it's all his. 
And when you understand that you're walking in covenant according to faith, as we've talked about since March, when you're walking in covenant with him, it doesn't matter what you hand to him, he's going to take care of you, no matter what. Uh, so does also, so I want to give that disclaimer. Uh, we will never try to coerce you or manipulate you or pressure you or shame you about giving. That's a very intimate thing between you and God. Uh, I do want to reveal some blessings. And if God has led us to do this and led me to preach this, I'm excited. Not because, ooh, Gathering Church may get some more funds. Well, maybe we will. But what I'm excited about is that we got some families that are going to become even more blessed, that are going to be walking in, in a greater understanding of his provision and his covenant. Okay? Uh, tithing will not, tithing's not going to make you rich. I, 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 I really get irritated with uh, a lot of these folk that get on TV or whatever and, you know, hey, if you'll send in, put your down payment on your blessings. Send it, if you'll sow into the kingdom, God's, it's, it, look, this is not a get, God's get-rich-quick scheme. Because you give, because you pay tithe, is not a guarantee that you're going to walk around with bling and live large, right? Uh, if, if you have been fortunate enough to, to accumulate monetary wealth through your efforts and through wise uh, use and, and good stewardship of your finances, it's not because you gave and you paid tithes and all that. It's because God has a purpose for you to accumulate that wealth, and usually, usually that purpose is to become greater conduits of giving. You know, to whom much is given, much is required, the Bible says. And, and most believers that I know who have, who have great monetary wealth usually are some of the biggest givers I've ever met. And they do it very quietly. And, and we have some here in our congregation. There's been most, most churches I know, if there's, if there's folks there that, that do have that kind of statue and, and, and monetary wealth, they're some of the biggest givers. And, and God trusts them with it. But there are some rights, some incredible provisional rights that are guaranteed to you if you do trust God and walk in the blessing of tithing. And that's what we're going to get into today. We're going to lay a foundation today. And what I'm excited about over the next three weeks, uh, you're, you're not only going to hear from me in each of these points, uh, I'll, I'll introduce the points to you this week, but over the next three weeks, you're going to hear about some of the, uh, the vision that we have moving forward, uh, some of, not, not just in the immediate future, but even down the road, uh, directions we want to walk as a fellowship. It's exciting. Uh, it, it means that the bus is moving. You know, this year with, with uh, the pandemic, every, you know, we just kind of had to pivot and make do and, and shift and, and just kind of do what we had to do to keep church going. And uh, many of you have come to me and said, hey, I kind of feel like yeah, I'm, I'm tired of uh, idling. When are we going to do stuff? When are we going to get back into action? And I'm, I'm with you. You know, we, we have to kind of be cautious uh, as we move forward, with, especially with some of our outreach and, and whatnot. Uh, with this pandemic, but but yeah, we've we we've, we've got a plan, we've got a vision. We're going to be introducing it to you. It's going to take effort and resources. Uh, it's going to take volunteers. It's going to take uh, folks giving of their time, and it's going to take us giving of uh, of our provision, our financial provision. Uh, so so uh, it's just going to be an opportunity for the Lord to just uh, talk with you, and whatever He moves on you to do, we're going to let it be that, right? So everyone, take a big, deep breath and tell your neighbor, he's talking about money. <laughs> oh, the preacher's talking about money. Actually, actually, uh, it's, trust me, this is going to be pain, painless 
And actually, it's going to be exciting. So do you realize that one of the biggest ways that you can express love is through giving? Because that's absolutely what God did. The first scripture that we learn as children, John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. How did he love the world? That he leased his son? That he allowed us to borrow his son? No, that he gave his one and only son. God loved the world so much that he gave something that was so precious to him. What was it? His son. Well, his son was actually the incarnation of his word. John says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he was in the beginning with God. And it goes on to say, and the word became flesh. God loved you so much that he gave his word to you. Look, I'm going to give you my word that if you'll believe in my word, if you'll believe in my son, I will walk in this covenant that I set up with Abraham. I'm going to graft you in, and so I will provide for you. I will protect you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless those that bless you. I will curse those that curse you. But I love you so much. Look, I'm going to give you my word. And what is more transformative in someone's life than the word of God? But he, he loved us so much. That, in other words, he didn't just like, oh, okay, I gave you oxygen, so that ought to be all right. No, he gave us, he loved us so much that he gave us the most valuable thing he could find, and that's his word, his son, right? So there's something about love. I mean, if you love a woman, the first thing you want to do, you want to give her your heart, you know? You want to, if, 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 you, love your, if you love your children, you know, you don't, you wisely don't give them everything they want, but man, when you do get to actually, when they've, you, you, you've worked a while and, and you get to give them something that you know is really precious to them, and it kind of costs you a little bit, really, you get more out of it than, than the kids do, don't you, you know? And, and uh, I, you know, my parents used to always talk about, oh, I enjoy Christmas far more than I enjoy, than you do. I was thinking, man, y'all are crazy. I'm the one getting all the presents. But it wasn't until I became a parent that I actually realized, man, it's a whole lot more fun to watch your kids, especially when they're little and they go nuts over Christmas and stuff. So there's, some, there's a blessing in giving. Check out this blessing. Proverbs 3, 9 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the, which part? The best part of everything you produce. Now, now understand something before we read on. Understand something. Many of the promises in the Bible are conditional. Many of his blessings are conditional. Salvation is a gift. It's a free gift of grace. But some of the blessings are conditional. There's a lot of if-then blessings in the Bible. It's almost like the DOS prompt. You remember back when, back when we first got computer labs when we were all growing up? We didn't have Windows. We had to like sit down there and program DOS commands. If this, then that, right? I probably like just totally showed my age. Some of you youngsters are just looking at me like, huh? You know, uh, there, there wasn't no clicking, right? Um, Yes, yeah, well, there was, everything was in Greek, and it was Roman numerals, and, and uh, Aramaic, all that stuff. So, <laughs> but uh, that's how many of the blessings are. If you'll do this, then I will do that. So if we honor the Lord with our wealth and with the best part of everything we, we produce, then he will fill your barns with grain, and your vats will overflow with Good wine. And in other words, he will bless you. He will provide for you. But not on top of that, you, you will have abundance in your life. Enough that you can share with others. Enough that you can be a blessing, you know, in, in, in every area of your life. Whether it's joy, love, peace, 
whether it's finances, whatever, if you'll honor him with the best that you got, he's going to make sure. Matter of fact, this is, this, is how Jesus, this is how Jesus actually described it. Luke chapter 6, verse 38 says, Give, and you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full. Isn't that great? That if God leads you to give something, don't, hey, don't worry about it. Just be obedient. Why? Because you're going to get it back. He's going to bless. He'll give it right back to you in some way or another. But look how he brings it back to you. Pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. So when God leads you to give something in life, hey, be obedient and then rejoice about it. Even if you go, whoo, okay, Lord, I was going to use that to you know, make an extra payment. But okay, hey, no, don't worry about it. Trust him. You remember that's what we've been talking about for months is walking in faith. You can trust him. Just go ahead and let go of it. Why? Because you're going to get it back, and you're going to get it back positioned for you to actually receive more in your life. Why? Because he wants you to be a, a, a greater conduit of giving. He wants you to have more opportunity to give. And so he's going to position you not just to give the same thing again, but to give that plus more. That's pretty wild. That's a pretty good deal. That's great provision. He's looking out for us, okay? So there is great blessing in giving. We could go on and on for weeks talking about that, but we're going we're gonna to walk into God created a way and a system for us to give uh, within his kingdom, and that way is actually called tithing. So I want to talk to you about the practice of tithing. Now, to set this up, understand that when the children of Israel made it to the promised land finally, and all the tribes of Israel that were, that were descendants of the sons of Jacob, and, and actually a couple of grandsons of Jacob, uh, they all got to divvy up the land, okay? Tribe of Judah, you get this territory here. Uh, Benjamin, you guys get this territory. You know, all these, all these different tribes got their chunk of land, except for the Levites. We talked about this a little last week. The Levites were the priesthood. They were the priests. They were the worship leaders. They were those who ministered to Israel, but also ministered to the Lord and took care of the things of God. They were giving a portion of just a portion of each land. They did not get a physical inheritance. Uh, and the reason why is God said, look, I want you guys to minister to me. I want you guys to minister to my people and minister to me, and I will be your inheritance. I will be your portion. I will be your provision. And so they did it. It was a, it was a life of faith. They had to learn to live by faith. Hey, my life is dedicated to the Lord. I'm going to minister, and he's going to take care of me. So they didn't get their own plot of land their tribe was split up amongst all the other tribes, a little chunk of land in each, each territory, and they would minister to that territory, and they would also minister to the temple, the main temple or the, or the tabernacle for a while. Uh, they would minister to that. They would pull from each of their, their, uh, each of their little subgroups to go work that part of the ministry as well. And the way that they, one of the ways that they were provided for is this. God instructed Israel to give a tenth of what they had. Each tribe would give a tenth of what they had to the Levites so that they could sustain and, and minister to that tribe and minister to the Lord, right? Uh, and then the Levites were to tithe. So the ministry was to tithe to the, to the main temple so that they would have supplies and goods and food and everything they needed when, they would, when it was their turn to go work the main temple or the main tabernacle. Um, so what, what would basically happen is this, from, from, uh, 
Leviticus chapter 27, starting with verse 30. One-tenth of the produce of the land, whether grain from the fields or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord and must be set apart to him as holy. Now, they would make that tithe holy. Why? Because they would set it apart and say, Lord, this belongs to you. You do with it as you please. It's holy. It's yours. I'm not going to touch it, right? Then they go on to say, verse 32, count off every tenth animal from your herd and flocks and set them apart for the Lord, at, for the Lord is holy. So they were to every every they'd go out there and count their cows. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight, nine, ten. Okay, the tenth one, set it aside. One, two, three, four, five, six, eight, ten. Okay, set it aside. And what they would do is get, they would bring it to the Levites. The Levites would then take a tithe of that, a tenth of that, and pass it on to the temple. Now we actually do that here within the ministry of the gathering. We've talked about it. When you give or you tithe to the gathering, a tenth of a tenth of all the tithes and offering that we receive, we actually sow into uh, Mission Arlington and uh, Harvesters Reaching the Nations. Uh, so we sow it into the work of God uh, domestically and foreign missions, uh, and and we we feel very strong about it. We we feel it's a way to obey the word of God, and and also we want. What's brought into us, we want it to be blessed as well. So we want to be obedient with it, okay? Now, the reason why God said, why, why a tenth? Why a tenth? And, and, and I'll, I'll explain here. I, I, don't, I don't want to be legalistic about this or anything. Uh, uh, and, and we're going to talk about where, where each of us are at individually with our faith. But why a tenth? Because, because what God was teaching is this. A tenth is actually, ten is as high as you can count. Every, if, if, if you look at things mathematically, now, now, now David may, I don't know, he may correct me on this or he may agree with me on that. I don't know. He's, he's, he's far, uh, far more intelligent in math than I am. Uh, but but uh, everything after 10 becomes a group of 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. Well, all you're doing, you're starting over with another group of 10, Right? And then 20, oh, well, now you're going to start out with another group of 10. Now we have different names for it, and we have different names of subgroups of 10 and all this stuff. But, but ultimately, 10 winds up being the whole. Uh, matter of fact, you remember back before Common Core, you know, <laughs> uh, Common Core math, you remember we used to, how, how did we learn our multiplication tables? By each number. Man, I, you'd come home and be like, ooh, I get to learn the fours table now. One times four is four. Two times four is that. You remember that? And ooh, now I'm up to nine. I'm almost to ten. And then all of a sudden you get to ten, and the, the reward is ooh, ten is easy. You know, one times ten and ten. Two times ten is twenty. You know, but that was you. You learned up to ten. Why? Because if you could learn how to multiply up to ten, you can multiply any number after that, right? Yeah. You know, five hundred, three hundred, and or five thousand three hundred forty-nine times seven. Oh, well, hey, that's easy because now you're going to do this, this. Now let me tell you what happened to me the other night. This is the craziest thing. Uh, I'm sitting down helping Lily to do some makeup work, right? And, and uh, she, she had had a little issue with one of her assignments, so the teacher was letting her kind of redo it and, and try to score 70 on it and all that. So she's re redoing it. And it was a number like that, five, 5,379 times six. And so I was like, all right, show me, show me how you do it. And she went through like 12 different steps, right? <laughs> Parents, you all know what I'm talking about? I'm like, what in the world are you doing, you know? And she's like, no, this, this, this. And I had already, like, worked the problem out, so I already knew what the number was. And she wasn't getting to the number, right? Well, I didn't know. I don't understand all these steps they got to go through these days, right? So I, I don't know how to tell her, oh, this is where you're veering off. 
and, and she was starting to get tired and frustrated, and she's getting mad at herself. And, all the, and I'm like, okay, all right, all right, look, look. Let's work it out my way. We're going to get the answer. And then when you get to school, just explain, look, my dad doesn't understand how you're doing it, so can you show me again, right? So she's like, how many parents have been there, right? So, so she, she, I start working it out my way. Okay, this, this, is like, this is how they taught me, okay? So we're going to do it this way. So I start showing, and she's looking, and she goes, oh, you're doing singular algorithm. I was like, do what? She said, you're doing singular algorithm. Yeah, yeah, they showed us how to do it. Algorithm. She's nine years old. I had never heard that word at nine. I didn't hear that word till probably high school, and it wasn't from school. It was from Star Trek Next Generation, because that's when that came out, right? I was sitting there watching that, and Picard's like, data, please check the algorithm of the warp drive. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, that's right. That's, a, ooh, the algorithm. You need to check that data. I don't know what it is, but check it. Algorithms, you know? And then, and then uh, so I just was like, do what? She said, these singular, and she goes, well, what, what did they call it when you were in school? I was like, Multiplication, <laughs> you know? So anyways, we got all that worked out. But the point is, God says this. That's how God looks at it. Say, well, fine, I'll pay my tithe. No, you're not paying anything. I gave my tithe. No, you're not giving anything. You have to look at it right. So Michael, Michael has a need. So I come over to Michael. I say, Michael, I'm going to give you $1,000 and, and take care of yourself for this week. But 100 of that, if you'll trust me, 100 of that, bring it back to me, okay? You don't have to worry about paying me back. I'm going to just give it to you. But if you'll, if you'll, if you'll bring back 100, just trust me with it, and I'll take care of you. So if Michael were to come back and say, fine, here, look, I'm going to pay you 100 back. Well, you're not paying me. You're just giving me back what I already said was mine, right? Like, and, and, and not only that, God said, look, if you'll give me a tenth, because that's really as high as you can count anyway, if you'll give me a tenth, that's a whole. I'll act, I'm just going to treat it as if you gave me the whole thing back, that you trusted me back. And I'll bless the 90%, and I'll stretch it out further than what you already thought, if you'll just trust me on it. That, that's the principle that he's trying to teach us, okay? Uh, so we're laying the, trust me, we're going to get to the Bill of Rights here in a second, the Tither Bill of Rights in a second. I'm just laying some foundation, okay? Now, now the, the uh, spirit of tithing can go all the way back to uh, Cain and Abel, Genesis chapter 4. It says, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest or when it was time for there to be multiplication or blessing and abundance and provision, when it was time for all that, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. But watch Abel. Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. That kind of goes back to what we read in Proverbs, doesn't it? Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best parts of everything. In other words, he loved God so much. You know, Cain, whether possibly out of ritual or habit or whatever, okay, yeah, 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 here. Yeah, got to take an offering to God. Here you go. Here's some of my crops. But Abel says, man, I love God so much. I want to give him the best I got. I want to do something with excellence. So here you go. Now, it goes on to say, the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. So really, really what, it's not about just ritualistically giving 10%. And, and really honest, I'll be honest, 
look, I am not legalistic. Uh, if where you're at with your faith walk, if you're like, I, I don't know if I can do five, 10, how about five? Hey, if that's what the Lord puts on your heart, 5%. In all honesty, if you say, look, the only, I, the only thing I can trust him with is $2, then trust him with that. If that's where you're at, if that's where your faith is at, let it start there and let it grow from there. There's no condemnation. There's no, you know, say, well, what if, I, what if I'm not ready to pay tithes? What if I'm not ready to give like that? Well, guess what? You're still a child. He still loves you. Now, you may not have some of the benefits that comes with it. You may have to grow into that. But it has nothing to do with salvation. It has nothing to do with his acceptance of you or his love for you. And quite honestly, I'll be honest, you can ask Kate. I, I've never once asked Kate, hey, can I see a list of the, uh, the givers, you know? Uh, you know, I don't want to bug her or our accountant, Helena, with that kind of stuff. Because in all honesty, you know what? I'm not worried about it. The, Lord, the Lord's going to bless this fellowship because we're obedient to him, not because we coerce people to try to give. And my, and my blessing is not based on whether or not you guys want to give to the ministry or not give to the ministry. My blessing and my provision is based on how obedient I am with my personal income. You know what I'm saying? So, so there's no, there, I, I don't want anyone to feel pressured by this, although I will apply some loving pressure here in a few moments. <laughs> um, but, but the point is this. Abel gave out of love. And he was willing to give something that kind of cost him something, you know. Uh, it wasn't just the, the scraps. And, and God honored it. Now, there are going to be those who will, will the, the, the big debate that goes on these days is whether or not tithing should be applied to the New Testament church. You know, that's an Old Testament concept. Don't try to manipulate people into doing this for the New Testament. It's not, you know, you're, you're not even part of the Levit Levitical order. You're, you're just a New Testament preacher that's, that's up there or whatever. Uh, I love it because Paul, the Apostle Paul, actually thwarts that a little bit. Really, the first, I'm getting ahead of myself, but the first time that we actually see a tithe recorded in the Bible is this. You remember several, several months ago, we talked about when Abraham like went and, and he got all of his servants together and they formed a militia and they went and they whipped up on one of the bad kings that had been oppressing some of the smaller kings in the region. And, and they even went and kidnapped Lot and his wife and a bunch of other people. So Abraham got all of his men together and like they went and whipped up on this king. God gave him a victory. And then they brought all the spoils of war to give back to all these kings to say, hey, here's your people, here's your supplies, here's all this stuff, right? Well, there was one king that showed up, Melchizedek, right? And the Bible says that he was the king of Salem. And Melchizedek came and blessed Abraham. Now watch, there's a blessing, and immediately there is a tithe. Now what is significant about this? Well, Paul talks about this in Hebrews chapter 7, because he talks about Christ being our high priest. But Christ didn't come from the order of the Levites, the Old Testament Levites. Paul said that he came from the order of Melchizedek. That Melchizedek, and Paul actually combines Melchizedek to Christ. Why? Because he was the king or the prince of Salem. Or in Hebrew, it would be the king or prince of Shalom. Anyone know what Shalom means? Peace. So he was the prince or king of peace. Who also was named that? The book of Isaiah 
prophesies about the birth of Jesus. Said his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Woo! And Paul started saying in Hebrews chapter 7, go back and read it. It's fun stuff. He says, hey, he says something really curious about this Melchizedek dude. There's no record of where he came from. There's no record of his lineage. Man, the Jews were good about writing lineage down. That's why you got all these chapters in the Bible. So-and-so begot so-and-so, so-and-so begot so-and-so. All these begots and begets and all that stuff. Why? Because it was important to them to know where they came from. There's no recorded history of Melchizedek before this. Nobody knows who his mom or daddy was. He just appeared. Paul insinuates kind of what we've been doing of late, that, hey, Christ was appearing all throughout the Old Testament in, in some form, in some manifestation. So he's like, hey, so, so what he is saying is this. He just gets through talking about how we are grafted into the covenant of Abraham because of our faith in Christ. Well, what did Daddy Abraham do? Daddy Abraham winds up paying a tithe to the Prince of Peace. Look at this. The Prince of Peace actually blesses him. It says, Melchizedek blessed Abraham or Abram with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek, or the prince of peace, a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. And so what Paul goes and says in, in Hebrews 7, said, look, Daddy Abraham, the father of our faith, wound up actually tithing to the Prince of Peace. That's why Christ is our priesthood. He is our high priest. So therefore, today, yes, it is very proper and well within order of the New Testament church to pay tithe. You're not paying tithe to support a Levitical order. You're paying tithe to support the ministry of Christ, which we are supposed to be about, right? That's why our vision is to know him and to make him known. We just don't want to come in here and have church in these four walls. We want to go out and be the church with everyone that we meet. And in order to do that, it takes effort, it takes time, and whether we like it or not, it does take money, right? And, and uh, so it's a way that we support it, right? So it's all within our order. All right, everyone take a big deep breath now. <sighs> Woo, see, it's not been hard. Hadn't been hard for the preacher to talk about money, has it? But so we laid the foundation. There's a blessing in giving, and one of the ways that God provides for us to be able to be a conduit of giving is through faithfulness and tithing. And I made that really easy. I didn't even get dogmatic about 10%. I'm just encouraging you. Talk to the Lord. Find out what you can give, what he would like for you to give, and just be obedient to him. And then let your faith grow from there, right? Sometimes you got to take baby steps with your faith. You know, if you haven't been to work out in a year, you're not going to go back to the gym and hop on the treadmill and run like some of the people that have been there all year long, are you? You're going to get on the treadmill and you're going to start walking. And in 10 minutes, you're going to be out of breath while they're still running. That's just the way it is. But the more you go back and the more you exercise, faith is the same way. The more you exercise your faith, the more you learn to trust him more and more and more. So, hey, I've lived it this year. I've lived it personally this year. So that brings us to the tither's bill of rights. This is what I'm excited about. Okay, We're going to read from the book of Malachi. Now, the book of Malachi, the prophet Malachi, what was great about him was this. He was... He was telling off all the preachers. Isn't that awesome? Man, us preachers need to be told off sometimes by God. He has to correct us. And that's what Malachi, God was speaking through Malachi to bring correction to the priesthood because the priesthood had been disobedient. And not only that, because the priesthood had been disobedient, 
uh, the land of Israel had been disobedient with some things as well. And so Malachi is bringing, through God, is bringing order and correction back to his people, okay? Everyone with me? Because this is where it's about to get good. And I promise we're going to wrap up quick, right? Nobody got the Rona yet, right? You're all masked up still, right? Someone say amen. Oh, all right, all right. Five of you don't have the Rona yet. That's good. <laughs> Malachi 3 and 8. This is what God's saying. Should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offering due me. You're under a curse. <gasps> what? It says you're under a curse. For your whole nation has been cheating me. Say, well, what? Did God curse them because they didn't pay tithes? Is that what I'm trying to say? Is that if you don't pay tithes, God's going to curse? No, no. God ain't going to do that. But they cursed themselves. How? Because it's this whole principle right here. Everyone take another deep breath and hold it. Okay, before you can take another breath, guess what you're going to have to do? You're going to have to release the breath that you just took. All right, you can release it. <laughs> now you can receive another breath. See what I'm saying? Before we can get rain that's going to bless all everybody's yard and everyone, all the territory around here, the earth is going to have to let go of some of that moisture that it holds, right? Before you can have the tide roll in, the tide is going to have to roll out. You know, be, before, before you can have new life in the spring, all the old life has to die out and decompose during the winter so that it... it, it uh, brings, fertilizes the ground so that there can be new life from the seed in the spring. In other words, there's always a giving that has to take place before there can be a receiving. And so when Israel stopped paying tithes to the Levites, and then the Levites were like, Woo, we're in, this is some lean times. We ain't going to tithe either. All of a sudden what happens is when people went to the temple to actually minister to God, there was no food in the storehouse. There was nothing that they could eat from. They didn't even have the provisions they needed to go and minister to God in the main temple. Why? Because everybody had stopped giving. And because everyone had stopped giving and kept holding on to what they had, they never sowed seed so that they could receive more, right? You remember Jesus had that whole concept, give and you're going to receive. You'll receive back what you give, plus you'll receive it back with room for more. Well, they, they had stopped that. In other words, they had cut off the supply of oxygen, they, they couldn't receive anymore. And so he said, man, you're under a curse. You've done curse. You've messed yourself up. You know, how are you going to receive anything when you won't give anything? But look, look what he says. Here's another if then, right? This is another one of those DOS promises of God. If you'll do this, then this. And it's exciting. This is where we're going to get our tither bill of rights. So starting with uh, chapter 10 or, or, or verse 10, Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, if you do what? Bring all the tithes in, right? If you do, says the Lord of heaven's army. So this is in Malachi's opinion. This is God talking. And if God said it in his word, you can trust him. We're, we're becoming people that just don't believe in God, but we, God's making us believe him. Don't just believe in him, but believe him. If he said it, it's true. This, it says, if you do, says the Lord of heaven's army, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great 
you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Now, we're going to stop there. We've got some more we're going to read. But I love it. He said, try it. Put me to the test. That's the one place in the Bible you're going to hear God say this. Try it. Test me. I double dog dare you is what he's saying. No quitsies. No take backs. Try me. Try him with what? He said, man, if you'll bring the tithe in, if you'll, if you'll just trust me, if you will trust me, man, I will pour out a blessing that you're not going to be able to contain. I went through that one year ago today. Today's November 1st, right? I am correct, right? Yes, okay. Then I'm in the same place I thought I was. One year ago today, I moved into my townhouse. It's been a year. I moved in to a townhouse one year ago. I had a double bed that I put in the room, the spare bedroom for my girls. I had an armoire and a TV, an old TV that. It was only, it's only 720p. It was one of my old, it wasn't even a 1080i. Isn't that bad? Like we've come so far that you got a high-def TV. Man, this is my 721. This is my original high-def plasma. Plasma, man, it gets hot. All of us grew up with little TVs on the floor, you know? <laughs> yeah. but, but I brought that in. I slept on an air mattress. I didn't even have a pillow. I, went, I stopped at Tom Thumb, picked up two of those My Pillows, right? You know, those My Pillows? And they're not even big. These are like the little ones. I had to stack them up. And, and, and I didn't even have a refrigerator at the time. I bought just enough. I looked like I was going back to college, man. I had ramen noodle. I had a few ravioli things, whatever, whatever wasn't going to spoil. That's what I moved in November 1st. Didn't have a whole lot more to me and my clothes. But one thing about it, and I'm not saying this because I'm not a spiritual giant. I just trust God, and I believe him. When I was in my 20s, early on in my, my early adult years, I, man, I struggled financially. I, I was horrible with money. I just, man, I was, I was in debt. I, was just, I never had enough money. I was, you know, but, but in my early 20s, God convicted me. I actually started tithing. And boy, it was scary at first. I didn't make a lot of money. It was scary, but I started tithing because I said, Lord, I trust you. You're the only real thing that has been constant in my life since I was a child. I'm going to trust you on this. And ever since then, I'll say that. Now, am I living large? No. You know, does it mean I got bling and all this? No. But man, I'm wealthy. I'm super wealthy. Why? Because every need I've ever had has always been met. Every need. doesn't mean that every desire I've gotten, but every need I've ever had. Do you realize I never missed rent after that? He always made a way. I, when I started buying houses, well, guess what? I, I've never missed a mortgage payment. I've never missed an electricity bill. You can tell me, you can look at me and tell I've never missed a meal on purpose, right? And man, I'm paying for that. I'm working hard. Almost to 60 pounds, but praise God. Almost, almost that far away from it. And still, still going. But never missed a meal, never did. And all of a sudden, when I was at a place in my life that I was like, all right, Lord. He said, when he told me, he said, let go of everything. Leave peacefully. I will take care of you. I said, I trust you. I have no other choice. I trusted him. And y'all know the story. Within a few days, what happened? Man, I had a fully furnished townhouse because of many of you guys and a lot of folks in the neighborhood and family members. Just this outpouring of love. I had sowed love into this community for five and a half years. And it came back to me. Everything I poured out came back to me in abundance. And this scripture came to pass. 
He opened the windows of heaven, poured out such a blessing in my life that I couldn't contain it. Man, you guys and everybody gave me so much, I had to stash stuff in the garage because I didn't have room in my, my townhouse for it. And not only that, I was able to be a blessing because when I started seeing needs in other people's lives, that, oh, you need that? Hey, I got one of those in the garage. I'm not using it. Why don't you come by and pick it up? And I was able to bless people. Why? Because God blessed me so much, I couldn't even contain it. I got to be a blessing. And, and now, I believe he did it because he's faithful to his word, but also believe he did it because I've been faithful with him, Amen. trusting him. Is, is it because I gave him money? No, it's because I gave him my heart. I gave him my trust. That's how it's worked. That's what it's about. God's not after your money. He wants your heart. If he has your heart, he's got everything. Amen? So, here we go. Everyone still with me? So he said, I'm going to open up a window of heaven. I'll pour it out. Blessing so great. You can't get He goes, trust me. Try me. Give it a try. Give it a try. Then he goes on to say, verse 11, your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. That is pretty wild. He said, look, if you'll just trust me with the 10th, man, I'm going to bless the 90 so much, so much. And in this covenant that he's made with us, this is, a, this is your bill of rights. If you're a tither, here are your bill of rights. There's three parts. We'll talk about them each week. Provision, protection, promotion, provision. He said, if you'll return the tithe, I'm going to give you provision. I'm going to open up the windows of heaven and pour out an uncontainable blessing. The next thing is, I'll give you protection. He's going to guard your wealth, whatever it is. And wealth isn't just money. Wealth is your health. You know, you could be the richest person on the earth, but if, you ain't, if you're sick, you can't, you can't buy it, you know? So anything that is really true wealth in your life, He's going to guard. Guard your wealth from the insects and disease. In other words, all those little things in life that just eat away. You ever had a month like that? You know, especially if you're a parent, it's like, well, okay, I got, I got violin rental. I got, okay, what, photos? What, school photo? I thought they just took photos. Why are they taking more photos? And what are they, oh, well, now, now they got to pay for uniform and this and that and marching uniform and this. Man, and oh, and athletic cost and this and, you know, all these extra little things that take place that all this, before you know it, you're like, man, where'd my check go? He said, look, I'm going to protect you from that. Even when you have to deal with all that, I'm going to stretch some things out for it. Your fruit will ripen to completion, he said. In other words, what he has started in you and what is growing, he's not going to let it wither. He's not going to let it fall off the vine before it's time. He will complete the good work he has started in you. And finally, promotion. He said that the nations are going to look at you and call you blessed. Why? Because you're so delightful. Think about it, being blessed so much in life, blessed with joy, blessed with health, blessed with with. Uh, uh, just, just a wonderful demeanor, and, and even blessed enough with provision that you can be a blessing to others. Folks are going to want to hang out with you. Why? Because, man, you're delightful. I like hanging out with them. Why? Because I feel better when I'm around them, and I start seeing how I need to live. And, hey, I need to find out what they're doing. Why? Because they're blessed. That's promotion. God's going to promote you. God doesn't mind you being promoted amongst men as long as he's the one doing the promotion. And he promotes the humble, the Bible says. So, isn't that pretty cool? All that, everyone stand. Look at that. See, whew, that makes everyone feel better. When the preacher says to stand, that means he's wrapping up. Matter of fact, I'm going to call the musicians back on stage. Start giving me some chords or something, like good filler. That's always a good thing, too. Oh, the music started. The preacher's almost done. But think about it. He said, look, if you will just trust me, this is your homework for the week. 
This is your homework. Ask him how much, how much he wants you to trust him. And ask him how you can give this week. If he instructs you, I want you to give time, find ways to give your time to him. If he says, I want you to give love, find ways to give love. If he talks to you and says, hey, look, it's time for you to take a step financially, ask him, all right, Lord, do you want me to do the 10th? Will you let me do a fifth? <laughs> Will it let me do five bucks? But my challenge is this. Try him this week. And he's given you these rights. Provision, protection, promotion. We're going to talk about it the coming weeks. You're not just going to hear from me. You're going to hear about some wonderful really fun and exciting things that we have in the future. There are two things that I get asked all the time. Say, so why are we talking about money? Well, because I want, I, want to, I, want to, I want you to understand the blessing of giving that the Bible has promised us. But there's two things that I'm asked every, every month, at least once a month, if not multiple times. There's two questions. One is, hey, do we have any plans to get our own building? Do we, do we have any plans? Do we have any thoughts toward that? The next one is, hey, is the church ever going to like bring you on full-time? You know, I work a full-time job, just like most of you guys, full-time dad, and then try to, try to give you guys my scraps as much as I can. And the answer to both of those is, yes, hey, that's, that's within the plan. That's, that's what uh, the staff has talked about, the elder board has talked about. We've, we're praying. We're, now, all that can't happen next week, absolutely, you know. But I believe, wouldn't it be awesome if, if the Lord started blessing us enough that when the time came to purchase our building, that we'd have enough just to purchase it and not even have to go in debt? Oh, come on, that's impossible. No, all things are possible with God. For those who believe, all things. I'm telling you, don't worry about paying for it right now. Pray for it. Don't pay for it, pray for it. And God will provide. What about me? Coming up, hey, if you guys would have me as full-time pastor, I would be honored. I love this community so much, I'd be honored. But it's gonna happen as the Lord directs us. We're not having to worry about paying for it. We're just going to pray about it. See how the Lord directs. But all of it does take funds. All of it does take money. Jesus talked about money quite a bit. So, all right, I'm going to leave you with this promise. And then, Erica, I want you to come up here, and I want you to pray over us before, you, before we start singing, right? An anointed prayer, not only to bless us, but also to give me time to get back on the drums. So, oh, I got one more scripture. Can, can we, I got one more scripture. I, at least I think I do. If not, I'll read it to you. Here, I want you to stand on this promise this week. 2 Corinthians 9 and 8. This is what God wants to do. And God will generously, everyone say generously. Generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. If you need proof of that, look at my life. Amen. One year ago, and I'm still trucking, and I'm still moving. Amen.